Welcome to the space, both students, faculty, and our visiting guests as prospective students. I will like to welcome you into the space by lighting the Christ candle as a symbol of God with us. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, who breathes life into each of us, unique and different though we are, bless this time of worship with a strong sense of your presence, enabling to, us to sense you in the songs we sing, the words we hear, and the body of Christ made real to us in each other. In your power that shines through us, amen.
Good morning, everyone. Are we at the place that we, it isn't possible for us to reconcile the differences that we have? Is it possible for no matter how different we are, we can no longer find a place at the table to share a meal, to talk with each other about those significant differences? So where do we go from here? They say you eventually get over it, is how some people are feeling about, emotionally about the, uh, the election that we just had all across the country. I know even my, there's an emotional chasm 
between many people across the country. Even people in my own extended family, we have these, this chasm uh, around this particular election. Perhaps in this room, we have those who feel differently about the outcome, either national, local, or uh, other, other decisions that were made during this election time. Some are sad, disappointed, crushed. Others are joyful, happy, elated. Will we get over it, is a question. And so here we are this morning, at least on a feeling level, asking ourselves that question. Are we still one nation under God, indivisible? As we consider the aftermath of this election and the rift that's running down the middle of our body politic, let me suggest two spiritual disciplines that I hope any and every Goshen College student, faculty, staff, or administrator will commit ourselves to in the days and weeks and months to come. In fact, I hope that when all is said and done, when you have your diploma and you're living out your life gloriously out there with a good job, you're raising your kids, and you're looking back at your experience at Goshen College, I hope that these two disciplines will be hallmarks of your Goshen College experience. The first discipline that I would like to talk about this morning is hallowed friendships. And I'd like to introduce to you my dog, Farley, and his little brother, Jazz. Look at the differences between them. And there they are, sit looking out on a beautiful fall day, big and little, black and brown. Uh, uh, Jazz, by the way, is the oldest one and never lets Farley get away with anything. But nevertheless, there they are in sweet repose, a hallowed friendship indeed. This first category is a very personal one, an intimate one. It's creating a kind of friendship that's holy, that's sacred. By hallowed friendships, here I mean, while we are here at Goshen College, and when you leave the college, are you more able to make and keep friends with whom you fundamentally disagree than when you came. Remember, I mentioned this last uh, year at some point, Jesus' great expression in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is that? Apparently for Jesus, and surely for us, the effort the energy necessary to love someone who differs from you is worth, in Jesus' mind, the assumption behind this, is worth as much as, and maybe more than, a much easier friendship that might happen. The reward for working hard at such a friendship is truly great. Let me give you a few examples. Here you go. Maybe you don't know these people, this is Mary Matlin and Donna Brazil. I ran across this story as I was doing my uh, casual reading out of Oprah, the Oprah magazine, this uh, <laughs> recently, and ran across this story about the friendship of Mary Matlin and Donna Brazil. 
Now, Mary on the left, if you don't know her, she was an advisor and a counselor to both President Bush's and an advisor and a counselor to President Reagan and a counselor and advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney. On the other hand, Donna Brazil, she ran the Al Gore, the first African-American woman to run any major presidential uh, campaign, but ran President Al Gore's campaign and also worked for, on the Michael Dukakis campaign and is a stalwart in democratic circles. When it comes to politics, Mary and Donna agree on, well, absolutely nothing. And yet, they are the best of friends. Imagine that. Mary Matlin says it's not as if they avoid talking about particular subjects. Mary, on the one hand, says, I, Donna and I talk deeply about policy, about race, about faith, but we're trying to learn something when we do that. We're not simply trying to humiliate the other guy. They went on to say, uh, Donna went on to say, we talk about Jesus. And we talk about Mass. They said they're uber-Catholics. And they go to Mass, and when they're done, they talk about what happened in church together. They both are in Louisiana, and they talk, of course, about uh, the New Orleans Saints. But most of all, they also talk about family. They live as family together. Donna is a single uh, woman, but she is the aunt to the daughters of Mary Madeline and James Carville, which is a whole other story I'll talk about in a minute. But Donna loves those girls, and they love her. When she, and she looks out for them, and they relate to one another in the family. In fact, both of them said what's partly what's wrong in Washington nowadays is that Congress people do not come to live in Washington, but they come for a day or two, fly home, in the olden days, that for them, um, that many people lived together and they raised their children together. Their children went to the same school. They had dinner and lunches. They were face to face with each other and couldn't caricature each other as much as they do. Donna even said with Dick Cheney, whom she's not fond of, I know that Mary has deep affection and respect for Dick. And as a result, I had to start listening to him and not just have a knee-jerk negative reaction when someone said his name. She said, because I trusted Mary. And Mary saw something in him. By the way, she loves the Cheney daughters, great friends with them. And she said, because of Mary, because I trust her judgment, I couldn't simply respond as I would otherwise with someone I didn't know and love and trust and live with. And go to their com they went to funerals of their mothers together. I mean, these two are tight in every way but their political beliefs. Speaking of Mary Matlin, if you don't think that's bad, Mary sleeps with the enemy, James Carville. James Carville helped to run the Clinton uh, campaign. He worked in the war room for President Clinton when he was elected. And James, on the left, is married to Mary Matlin. 
And if you see them on Meet the Press, they go after each other on political grounds like you wouldn't believe. And they've been married for over 20 years and have two lovely daughters. And you look over there on the right, that's in their happier moment. The other one, James is kind of uh, making his final point as he likes to do. But talk to them about their love life and how they've accommodated each other's differences. And it's truly amazing. You see, sometimes opposites attract. In my own marriage, my wife is the one on the right. If you know Myers-Briggs, my wife and I are about polar opposites when it comes to personalities. She is an uh, introvert, intuitive person. Her feelings are important, and she's a perceiver. That is, she likes to process things forever. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I'm an extrovert. Not completely, not like my younger brother, but I'm more extroverted. I like data, sensing data, empirical. I like thinking. I like to feel, too. I'm kind of on the border there. And I'm, I like to make decisions. I, I can remake them later if I get new evidence, but I don't like to hang around forever. Now, you can imagine when you have two different people like this. Let me say how it worked early on in our marriage. Uh, we started talking about, by the way, not that long ago, we went through a long list of all the things we disagree with, and they're pretty, <laughs> there's quite a few of them, and we've been married for 30 years, and we still sometimes fundamentally disagree on some of the same things. But when I first got married, I was asking Terry, what did she think, how did she believe about, what was her definition of salvation? And come to find out, after I was married to her, the gal wasn't saved, according to my <laughs> categories <laughs> and definitions. Now I was in a quandary. Do not be unequally yoked. Do I divorce her, or do I stay married to someone who is not saved? Well, come to find out, it's I who had to change. The woman is the most honorable, Christian, deep thinker, she won the award for integrated theology and psychology when she did her PhD. An amazing person that I wouldn't have known had I simply had my categories too rigid. And we have been having a great time of it ever since, even in our disagreements. So opposites can attract. Do we shy away from the variances that we have between ourselves? For all of our differences, there are so many more things that we love about one another. What about this one? On the left side of the road there, I got this from the Eastern Mennonite University website. On the left side, there was an Obama person who voted for Obama, who was a Goshen College graduate, now teaches at Eastern Mennonite University. On the right side is another professor at Eastern Mennonite University, who voted for Romney Ryan. And they originally had the two signs across from each other, and the children of the one professor said, what about mom and dad, what does that mean that we don't, are we still friends with them? So the parents made up these other two signs to place alongside that says, and we're still friends. And we're still friends. 
So the first discipline for us is that if we don't have a friend of difference, a real friend, a loyal friend of difference, I would invite all of us to make one of those before we leave Goshen College. The world will be a better place for it. I guarantee it. The second spiritual discipline to help heal the rift running down through the middle of our body politic and nation is that of creating sacred spaces. This is a communal one. I call it communal spiritual geography. I happen to think until and unless we regularly hang, with our, hang around with our intellectual antagonists or break bread or share a meal with those whom we profoundly differ or put ourselves in situations in which we are the odd ones out, men in a room full of women, an Anglo person in a room full of people of color, Democrats in a room of Republicans, until we put ourselves put ourselves in those situations. We deprive ourselves of the best liberal arts education that is possible. Neil Bohr's, he's the Nobel Prize winning physicist who described all of physical reality as determined and defined by opposites. Opposites that complement each other. Bohr's is the one who created that model that we memorized in physics, the model of electrons swirling around, one model of the atom of electrons, negative particles swirling around the positive nucleus pro protons. And he said that's really a symbol of life. Building blocks of life are those contrasting elements uh, working for and against each other at times. Electrons swirling around protons. The trade-offs between two opposite though complementary pairs was for Bohr the essence of reality as we know it. The ultimate means of gaining knowledge. Knowledge is best gained, listen we're a liberal arts education that deals with knowledge, knowledge is best gained by welcoming opposing perspectives. There's a college where learning is designed to be exactly that, the coming together of opposing, opposing points of view. It is, voila, Washington and Jefferson College. Now, the reason I can share this with you this morning is because it's not a Christian liberal arts college, so I'm assuming none of you prospective students will choose to go there. <laughs> You'll want to come to Goshen. <laughs> as we attempt to have our version of that. So thank you. <laughs> but Jefferson, Washington Jefferson College is one of those three original log cabin colleges built in 1787. It's right on the north-south border in, near the Appalachian southeast corner of Pennsylvania. It's where working class people went. It's where Democrats, half of their body is Democrat, half is Republican, half from the North, half from the South. And deeply embedded in the culture, they have a whole dormitory called the Civics Dorm that you, in order to be in it, you have to choose a roommate who is ideologically different than you are. 
and President Tori Herring Smith. She taught for 26 years at Brown University, the prestigious Brown University, before becoming president of Washington Jefferson. And she said more true liberal arts education is happening at Washington and Jefferson College than happens at Brown University, where she spent much of her life before becoming president of Washington and Jefferson. So what about Goshen College? Here at Goshen College, even as we celebrate our core values unabashedly, even as we are asked by the Mennonite Church to align ourselves with the teachings and moral guidance of the Mennonite Church USA, and by the way, we have three boards, three Mennonite boards over us that make sure we stay true to the Mennonite Confessions of Faith. It's not an easy thing just to willy-nilly make changes when you have three boards guiding us, as it should be. Well, I'd take two. But the boards guide us. They encourage us to stay aligned with the traditional categories, the Orthodox Christian categories of the Mennonite Church, of our confession of faith, whether it has to do with our doctrines or our sexual mores or our life-affirming decisions, or how we think about peace and war and conflict and being peacemakers. They guide us. Our confession guides us. Still, even then, we recognize that many Christians and many of those of other faith traditions and even many Mennonite Christians do not necessarily interpret their faith in the same way. And so at Goshen College, in our classrooms and out, and precisely because we are a Christian college, we must always be willing to discuss, debate, dialogue with anyone in appropriate and safe settings about anything. Anything that the church is talking about, certainly Goshen College as a liberal arts institution with a varied student body must also be willing to talk about as well. Christian love requires it, no less. A good education expects us to do that. Paul, in writing his letter to the Corinthians, said, if I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, in other words, if we as a college institution, our task is to pour into you all knowledge about everything, and have not love, I am nothing. You see, love creates that sacred canopy, that sacred space, a tent of meeting for unlike-minded and like-minded people to experience God's love for themselves. It's that love that reminds us of our common humanity, where all of us have to say we have sinned and we have all received the mercy of the most gracious God. In that sense, we're all more alike than any of our differences. I hope that anyone who attends or teaches or works at Goshen College, if they haven't experienced it yet, will so soon know that above and below and around us, in all the varying commitments we make, and despite our many, many differences, there hovers the Spirit of God, whose love is without measure, 
for every single one of us, period. By way of conclusion, in just a minute, I will read 1 Corinthians 13 and invite the group of parables who are with us this morning to complete the chapter for us. I'm, and when they come, they'll share an experience they have had within their group just this season. It's a very honest expression of exactly the kind of differences. That's what Christian life is about. Love enables, enables us to talk about our differences, real, authentic, heartfelt, and painful differences that could have broken them apart. Their issue may not be ours this morning. If not, let theirs stand in for a painful difference that you may encounter with another, or perhaps a disagreement that any one of us has had or might experience anywhere, here on campus, in a classroom, in our nation, recovering from an election that threatens to divide us asunder. Listen to authentic Christianity where in spite of our differences, the love of God can enable us to hear one another. Hear the word of the Lord from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. If I speak with the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a no noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand my body over to be martyred, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things, because love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. But love, love never ends. I have a friend who's not sure what to think about homosexuality. I have a friend who is gay. She grew up in the Mennonite church. He grew up in the Mennonite church. I first met her in choir. I first got to know him at hymn club. He's She's a, a really, really good, good singer. singer. But things haven't been easy for him. She's walked a difficult path. 
Some people define him as just gay, nothing more. Some people unfairly trap her in a conservative Christian box. But he's so much more than just gay. That box doesn't represent who she is. This leaves him feeling misunderstood. Devalued. Lonely. Stuck. Ignored. It's hard for her to feel safe being honest with people about where she is on her journey. He just wants to feel safe being himself. People have both subtly and overtly accused her of not loving, of being closed-minded, of being homophobic. People have told him that he's going to hell, and that he's wrong, that he's perverse, that he chose it. This leaves her feeling invalidated. Rejected. Lonely. Scared. Condemned. But every now and then, there are glimmers of hope. She took a risk by including me in her journey, by sharing her struggles with me. He took a risk and confided in me. She He says, says, I just want to be loved. She says she experiences God and the love and acceptance she receives when she shares her story with me. He says he experiences God in the love and acceptance he feels when he shares his story with friends. Stereotypes aside, differences aside, the, the point, point is, is love. love. For, For now, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully even as I have been fully known. And now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love.